Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On Mother's Day, May 8th, 2016, 34-year-old Chris Fowler set out on the Pacific Crest Trail, a 2,653-mile hike stretching from Mexico to Canada. Chris's journey took him through the desert of California, the heights of the Sierra Nevada mountains, and the thick forests of the Pacific Northwest. But on October 12th, with less than 400 miles to go on the trail, Chris, who had stopped in Packwood, Washington for supplies, set off to resume the PCT near White Pass in the Cascade Mountain Range with a storm moving in. People would later claim the storm was one of the biggest Washington State had experienced in decades. The storm was so intense that it brought snow to the high mountaintops of Mount Rainier and the surrounding area. As other hikers left the trail to wait for better weather, Chris set off into the dense Washington wilderness with the storm on his heels and seemingly vanished into the thick underbrush of the Pacific Northwest. This is the Missing and Unexplained Podcast with me, Tyler Hooper. And, uh, you know, I've never heard of it, but so I started researching and I started doing my own research and, and I could see him doing something like this. And so um, on May 8th, Mother's Day, he, he sent me a picture uh, from the Pacific Crest Trail. It was his very first day on the trail. So happy Mother's Day from PCT. I love you. Here we go. One of the first people to realize something was wrong with Chris in October of 2016 was his stepmother, Sally Fowler. Chris and Sally are incredibly close. When Chris decided to hike the PCT, Sally made Chris promise that he would check in with her every couple of weeks while on the trail. Sadly, Chris's biological mother passed away young, but when his stepmother Sally entered his life, she treated him like one of her own. Chris is an only child, so Sally took care of Chris while he was growing up. The two formed a very strong bond. 
I met Chris when he was 10. I just started dating his dad, and his dad had uh, full-time custody of him at the time, so he was around all the time, and we hit it right off, and we did a lot of stuff together, and eventually when he was 12 and his mom passed away um, at 13, uh, after he turned 13, his dad and I got married, and so, you know, I've been in his life since he was 10, and um, I didn't have any other kids, and he didn't have, uh, a, you know, a living mom at the time, and so we, um, you know, we filled each other's needs in that role, I guess, and we've always been really close. Yeah, he was born, and um, his dad was in the Navy, and his mom and dad lived in uh, Norfolk, Virginia when he was born. His dad was active Navy at the time, and then his dad's family and his mom's family were both from the Dayton area, so they moved back here. He was a good kid. He didn't get in a lot of trouble. He did he did boy stuff. You know, he still did stuff. Um, nothing nothing uh, super illegal, just dumb stuff that, you know, boys do, <laughs> you know, out, outside and that kind of thing. He wasn't real mischievous, and he was pretty honest with us about stuff he did, and where he was going, and he was always um, very determined in whatever it is he wanted. If he wanted a new a new bike, and we we said uh, no, the bike you have is fine, and you know we we don't want to buy a new bike yet. He was very creative in finding out how to sell things or um, trade things, and ha- and then have enough money for this bike. You know, I remember him doing that when he was like 11. Just always very determined in, in getting getting something done that he had set his mind to, whether it be a purchase or a sport or whatever, a hobby he took on, whatever it is he did it, he did it very well. He was a natural athlete. He, he was excellent at baseball. He was a really good baseball pitcher. We had people calling us all over the place for him to be on their team at, 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 from a young age on. He played all the way through school. But he never played football. So one day when he was about 12, he came home, 11 maybe, and came home and said, hey, there's a punt pass and kick competition, and I want to do that. So it was nearby, and we took him there, and he won. And then he won the next round and he won the next round and he ended up going to the Cincinnati Bengals uh, football stadium during a pro game where they had the semifinals and he he lost there to uh, another young man who was uh, you know just some real big kid in his age group he, he barely lost but he lost to this kid but he went all that way and he never even played football but he just was really good with whatever and an eye coordination thing required a ball. And he did that two years in a row. Jeff France met Chris while playing football with him in grade seven. They weren't the closest of friends at first, but eventually Chris and Jeff developed a strong connection over their love of sports and a subsequent friendship bloomed. Jeff says he has fond memories of going on trips with Chris, meeting girls, and getting into a little bit of trouble. Oh my gosh, so I'll never forget it. Uh, Seventh grade, it was after school, so we we were playing football, and it was at practice. I remember meeting this new kid, and uh, I was playing kind of like a wide wide receiver position, and I knew, you know, Chris was tall, lanky. I mean, he was six foot tall in seventh grade, and he had these red shoes on, 
And I'm like, oh gosh, he looked like a California surfer. And like, you know, I'm like, who's this new kid? Like, my, my spot's going to get taken. Like, I'm not going to catch any football. This kid's going to take it all. But um, yeah, I just very vividly remember that first practice that he showed up. And, and I thought he was just going to kind of be this tall football jerk jock. And he was all of those things, but he was also very, uh, very down to earth once I got to know him and, and I really got to know him uh, better once we got around the baseball season. We were not super close at the very beginning. Um, I think that w- where we really probably became the closest is uh, one, once we got around the baseball season, um, the seventh and eighth grade team was a combined team and there was only four seventh graders that made the team. Um, myself and Chris were, were one of them. So naturally, that kind of uh, being, you know, kind of the lo- low men on the totem pole, so to speak, we were, we just kind of naturally um, became closer at that time. He was also a pitcher. I was a catcher. Um, so we just spent a lot of time together um, in, in just a very organic fashion. Um, and, and so once baseball season rolled around and we both made the team as seventh graders, um, we became a lot closer and faster friends. Oh my gosh. So there was one year, it was our sophomore year of high school and actually our, our school was under construction at the time. So we, um, we had to change classes outside, which in Ohio hit or miss could be good weather, could be bad weather. Well, um, Chris and, and Sally's stepmom had, had gotten the bright idea because Chris was this pretty boy that he was going to do this, these modeling shoots. Right. And so Chris came to school wearing this like turtleneck hair slicked back. Like, and I was just, giving him the business for as, as every time I passed him in what we called the, the cattle run, because it was this fenced off area that we had to change classes in. And, oh my gosh, I was just giving him such a hard time, but obviously part of our friendship was giving each other a hard time and dishing it and taking it. And, um, so that, that was a pretty funny memory, but it, another funny memory that, that I really look fondly on is, um, he would go on, we would go on trips together with each other's families. And, and one summer, my parents had taken us to, we went out kind of towards the Virginia beach area Well, we spent some time at Virginia beach. And, um, as weird as this was, but we would like, I just remember very fondly of, of rollerblading up and down the boardwalk. We did that in the evenings a lot of times. And, um, we went to, uh, Bush gardens and, and at the time, we also went to uh, Colonial Williamsburg, and I don't know that a person has ever been more bored in their life than Chris was at Colonial Williamsburg. But as he grew older, I think that he probably had some appreciation because he got very into, I don't know about history, but he just he, he became much more into things that he maybe wasn't at a younger age, just teenage angst kind of um, you know, too good for you know, Colonial Williamsburg. But we had a lot of good memories on that trip. Um, you know, we were 15, 16 at the time, you know, meeting girls on the beach, meeting girls at Bush Garden. Uh, he definitely had a way with the ladies as a very, very young, young guy. And uh, that was, that. you know, whenever we'd go to Kings Island, it was, Chris was definitely motivated by a pretty lady. So um, those were just, I mean, yeah, it, we, we had a, so many good times, but those are, those are just a couple nuggets from kind of that time frame that, I, uh, that stick out. So actually, I mean, when around the time, our goal was to go play baseball together somewhere in college. Um, we, we visited a lot of schools together. We visited Bowling Green. We visited Wilmington. We visited a couple different smaller schools where, where we thought maybe we could play baseball together. I think Chris probably 
could have had more of a future in baseball. Um, but, um, you know, for whatever reason, we just kind of naturally, I don't want to say grew out of it because we both loved baseball quite a bit, but we both kind of decided on, Hey, let, right. There's a university pretty close to our hometown. I mean, it's basically, uh, in, in, in Fairborn, Ohio, again, another adjacent suburb to Beaver Creek, um, Wright State is where we both landed and we both attempted to walk onto the baseball team, kind of did some, some work in the, in the fall with the fall ball team. And As Chris made his way through Wright State University, primarily studying business and marketing, he relished in the experience. As Jeff says, they probably partied more than they studied. After briefly living together, Jeff says Chris met a young woman, fell in love, and soon became married. According to Sally, as Chris catapulted into adulthood, he, like a lot of us, began to change. He didn't change. He changed after college, I think. But going through college, he was in a fraternity, and he lived the whole the whole uh, college experience. It took him about six years to get through college because he was working full-time most of the time. I always had a job. He was, you know, always, always had a job. He was a normal college guy, liked to party and have fun, but he was still getting the work and the job done and everything. And then he met a lady in college, and they, he actually asked her to marry uh, him at my house during his graduation or their graduation party. They both graduated. We probably had a little too much fun. School was not a top priority for either of us. It was, what can we do to have some fun? And, oh, by the way, we got this class thing that we got going on and when we go. Um, but we both managed to get our degrees and make something of ourselves for a little bit. But, um, I, I mean, some of just the absolute hilarity that we got into, uh, spring break trips, uh, one really hilarious story. Uh, we're on spring break. Chris probably had a few too many adult beverages, decided he was going to kick a pop machine, a soda machine, and broke his foot. So everybody's asleep in this hotel room. You know, you're, you got six guys in a four-person room, and it's just spring break in college, Panama City Beach. And um, he's banging on the door. Nobody wants to get up and let him in. And it, You know, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and he's got this broken foot, and he's hobbling in, and he's like, he ends up, you know, flying home the next day. And we that's another thing we gave him quite a bit of grief about because we're like, guy, you throw a boot on and you sit on the beach and you get all this sympathy. You'd have been, you'd have, been, you'd have had a great time. And... Hello, nerds. Come listen to the History Nerds United podcast and let's make history fun again. We interview today's best authors, whether they are established Pulitzer Prize winners or someone debuting their first book. Let us show you that history is not a boring class you took in high school, but a place where the best stories come from. And we don't just cover history. We also love to chat about true crime, biographies, memoirs, and so much more. So head on over to History Nerds United and let us introduce you to your new favorite book and learn the story behind the story. History Nerds. So um, around the time we both graduated, um, we actually lived together for a little bit at his dad's house. So his dad owned the house that they kind of grew up in in Beaver Creek. Um, and his dad had moved into a condo but kept that house and was going to rent it out. 
Um, and then Chris kind of lived there. And, and so, you know, I had gone through right out of college. I was, I was hired um, to work as a home builder. And that was right at the beginning of the, the, you know, financial crisis around that time, the recession and, and home market went, you know, down the tubes. And so they let go like half of our, you know, building staff. So here I was uh, back at a point where I'm like, oh, well, I guess I better go back to bartending. And, um, and, and, you know, I don't even remember what he did for work at the time, but it was just that post-college kind of hanging out, trying to figure out what you want to do with your life. Um, and he was dating Jen at the time. Um, so it was, you know, we, we were kind of like uh, three's company there, but it was, uh, it was, it was just good kind of, um, I wouldn't call it a bachelor pad by any means, but you know, it, it was, it was cool getting to spend some of that time together too. So, um, that was a time when we actually did start to get a little closer, you know, um, he was in a, a sales career that he wasn't really loving. Um, I actually got him hired at the company that I worked at. And it, it wasn't but two weeks, and he was like, man, I'm just – corporate America is not for me anymore. And I was like, where's this coming from? Like, I, you are corporate America. <laughs> so it was very strange. But I remember at the – I mean, I was very close to his wife, Jen, too. I mean, and, you know, there was conversations that she and I had like, hey, you know, can you help me talk to him? Can you help – you know, what's going on? So um, it was a tough time because they were – even though I think we're always trying to evolve and figure out who we are and, um, and, and sometimes our interests and our, our goals and our desires change. And, and that definitely happened for Chris. Um, I think that there were some catalysts to that within the relationship, but um, I think that, uh, you know, as he became more interested in being very involved in the outdoors um, he, he started to try some new things that were, you know, passion projects that were not about money for him. Um, I think that it was definitely more about happiness and wanting to feel fulfilled. Um, and, and ultimately I think that's kind of what, you know, kind of grew them apart was that, um, she kind of still wanted, you know, the white picket fence family. And he was like, let's go on an adventure. <laughs> and so, um, you can see where that, you know, might not, uh, create an environment that would be conducive to, uh, uh, you know, a lot of success as a couple. But um, when they did kind of eventually um, go their separate ways, he had moved in with his dad a little bit uh, back up this way. And I got to run into him at our, you know, local moose lodge and I would see him from time to time and being a rider. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
around the block. I'd invite him over for dinner. Uh, he didn't always take us up on that, but, you know, I wanted to try to see him as much as I could. And I remember him mentioning this trail, and I had no idea what it was at the time. Had never seen the movie Wild, which a lot of people talk about. I have now, actually. I forced myself to watch it just to see uh, what it was like, and um, that was its own emotional experience. But uh, I think that it, it came on very quickly. He had maybe been talking to Colin and, and some, and obviously Mike and Sally about wanting to take on, you know, this adventure, but I would have probably put it on. Yeah. He's blowing smoke and he might go out there and do a little bit and then we'll see him back here in Ohio pretty soon. And maybe he'll get out out of the system, but no, um, he's also very stubborn. And when he puts his mind to something, he's going to see it through or, or the otherwise. Chris's motivation behind wanting to hike the PCT isn't entirely clear. As Jeff and Sally both told me, he was at a bit of a crossroads in his life. His marriage was falling apart, and he was heading towards divorce. He wasn't fulfilled in his career, and he was seemingly a little adrift or lost in his own life. He may have even felt trapped. His job that he had moved to um, Florida, and he could have stayed with the company, but he didn't, it wasn't... Um, their future wasn't bright, so he didn't think it'd be a wise move. So at the, this all happened at the same time he was getting divorced, so he didn't have a job um, at the time, and he moved in with his dad, and he decided, I don't have a lot of bills. I got a little money in the bank, and nothing's holding me back. Just got this divorce. I'm going to go hike to Pacific Coast Ontario. His dad's reaction was, you know, get a job at a 401k and it's vacation time. What are you doing? <laughs> but just because that's how our lives were, you know, we both always worked. Um, I wasn't crazy about it, but after I talked to him, the very first time I talked to him about it, he I, he had such a plan. He told he was so excited about it. It's the first time I'd heard him be really excited about anything in a long time. You know, he'd gone through a divorce, which is never easy, and I could just tell that he had it all figured out. And the only thing I, you know, he was a grown man. The only thing I could do was support him. So I did. Happy for him. I wasn't, didn't understand it, but uh, again, because it's just not something, you know, it's just the little foreign people in Ohio. That he, was, he was a very good disc golfer, obviously, because he was, uh, I say obviously, because he was good at whatever he did. It was hand and eye coordination. So anyway, um, he had been visiting him every year. He went to go visit this guy in Colorado and for the past several years and hiked with him. And that guy was doing the Pacific Crest Trail. So Chris moved out there and started training. One of the catalysts for Chris actually following through with hiking the PCT was meeting Colin Hurley. As Sally mentioned, Colin and Chris met playing disc golf. As Chris and Colin started hanging out together and hiking, they realized they had quite a bit in common. The two men even bonded over their experiences of going through a divorce. Chris brought up the idea of doing an epic hike to get away and into the woods. As Colin says, the seed was planted and the two of them started to prepare to hike the PCT together. Yeah, so it's kind of a crazy thing. I mean, um, in... 2015 I had gotten a divorce uh and later that same year he actually got a divorce too and so you know we both kind of struggled with um 
with that idea and it was you know we're, we're both pretty um pretty i would say we're both pretty introverted people for the most part or at least we we internalize a lot of stuff and um so you know having him to kind of bounce ideas off and thoughts off about the whole divorce situation was really helpful and I do. I remember one of the very first things uh, he told me when, uh, or asked me when I told him about my divorce was like, he's like, oh, so hey, would you, you know, want to get get out of town and just go hike a long trail or something like that? And um, you know, at the time, I was just like, mm, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it. I mean, you know, I like backpacking. I like all that kind of stuff, but I never really thought about the idea of <laughs> uh, doing something that took so much planning and so much preparation and um, really such a huge chunk of time. But um, yeah, as it turned out, I, you know, I was uh, self-employed and really I didn't see why I couldn't leave to do something like that. And so that the idea that the seed he planted in my head kind of grew for me. And um, we actually didn't really talk about it a ton more I um he kind of went off and did his own thing uh for a while and I I hadn't talked to him for maybe a, a couple months I assumed he was still thinking about doing the trail but um you know in late 2015 I was kind of well into making plans and preparations for doing that and I left him a couple messages to see if he was still thinking about doing it and um uh, yeah, I, I actually didn't even know where he was working or anything at the time. And like all of a sudden, kind of out of the blue, I got a phone call from him in, I want to say it was like January of 2016. He's like, oh, hey, I'm doing some uh, like remodeling or construction work in Wyoming. And I was like, what, really? <laughs> like, you know, he, last I knew he was living in Ohio, um, you know, just kind of getting through his getting over his divorce and everything and so to hear that and uh i was like oh wow you're, you're working out here he's like he's like yeah we're still doing the trail <laughs> like uh uh sure yeah I'm, I'm planning on it i didn't know what you know what you were wanting to do but but yeah for sure and um kind of the way it worked out i since i lived in colorado and he was out working in wyoming um uh, I just I let him crash at the place that I was renting for, oh man, I guess it was about a month or something. And we just started um, prepping for the trip together, uh, purchasing our, our gear and kind of bouncing ideas off one another. And, um, you know, since I, uh, I was self-employed and did uh, kind of manual labor type stuff, like uh, handyman type uh, type things. I brought him along for some of the jobs and, uh, we tried to earn some money for the trip together. And, um, so yeah, again, we just sort of planned for, uh, oh, a month, at least a month, I think it was together, just living in Colorado and going out on training hikes with, uh, some friends of, of ours. Uh, a good friend, Laura was, uh, was there and she wanted to get out and hike and, um, I know she had a lot of conversations with Chris about about the trail, and um, so yeah, we just kind of um, things were sort of all coming together, and um, it just seemed like 
I don't know, the, the universe was like, all right, you're going to, you know, do this, do this trail together, or at least start out together. We, I think we, in the beginning, we said, hey, we're, we're going to hike our own hike here. As they say on the trail, you got to kind of do your own speed and your own, um, have your own adventure. Um, so I know a lot of people plan on hiking it with another person and other people just plan on making it their own. And I, as far as I recall, we were planning on, you know, at least starting out together and we didn't really have a, a plan as far as how long we were uh, going to hike together for, though. Colin says that he had experience backpacking and hiking on multi-day trips, but the idea of being on a trail for months at a time seemed daunting. Colin began to prep, almost obsessively, and thoroughly planned out the logistics of the trip and his gear. Chris had also spent a lot of time hiking and camping in the outdoors, but both men had different ways of preparing for this epic adventure, something Colin thinks about to this day. You know, I have been backpacking since I was a teenager, so uh, I was 40 years old at the time when uh, when I did the PCT, so, uh, you know, better part of uh, you know, uh, 20, 25 years I had been backpacking, and so I, I really didn't, I hadn't done a, a more than about a week or 10 day trip. So I, I, you know, that part was a little daunting. I wasn't sure, um, how to, how to really take that. I mean, the PCT is, you know, five, six months, depending on how long you're planning on being out there and how fast you are, and, you know, kind of the way that, that you hike your hike. But, um, I, I guess I wasn't too worried about that. I, I did a, a lot of, I really did a ton of preparation. I looked at a lot of different um, websites. I got the Yogi's uh, Through Hiking book and, you know, just did a ton of preparation for it. And, you know, in reading all these different sources, I I guess the best way the hike was explained to me was, you know, the PCT is really just a series of, like, three to five day backpacking trips, essentially just all strung together, you know, maybe up to, you know, I can't remember what the longest stretch I was without uh, a resupply, but maybe like seven days or something at the very most. So, um, you know, essentially you're coming into a town and you're resupplying, getting a shower and getting cleaned up and getting a, getting a nice, uh, a nice meal, you know, every few days. So, it's essentially just like having a bunch of little backpacking trips all strung together. So, um, that, that's what gave me comfort anyway. So I'm like, Oh, okay. I think I can, I can handle this. You know, I've, I've done plenty of little, you know, three to five day backpacking trips and, you know, I, I have no hesitation about that. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, really just, I guess the, you know, more frustrating part of it. And the, I guess the, the hardest part of it was, was wrapping my mind around just packing up and leaving for, you know, half of a year and um, getting all the you know, money preparation and stuff like that. But I guess once things started flowing and I started, you know, purchasing gear and I made a spreadsheet of the weight of all the gear and all that kind of stuff, like, once all that started flowing together, it was like, okay, yeah, I can, I can do this. I'm, I am doing this, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready for it. Um, I will say like, 
and you know everybody does things differently but uh chris kind of um had a, a different strategy if you will when it came to preparing he kind of did like everything um i won't say like last minute because essentially i i don't know that he did much of any reading or um purchasing of much any of any gear uh, before he came to Colorado to stay with me. And at that point, I know he was, you know, purchasing all the backpacking gear and uh, printing off some maps and stuff like that. But I don't think his um, his preparation definitely wasn't like as, um, you know, thorough as, as mine or some other folks that I had met along the trail. But again, I'm sure there are people out there that did the exact same thing he did and just sort of... Um, not really, not really a impulsive thing, but like I, I think, you know, he genuinely wanted to do it, but I don't know that he wanted to go through all the prep work of doing it. But um, I tried to, you know, basically just give him as much of my knowledge as possible from the years of backpacking that I have done, and um, and all the things that I was reading about ultralight gear and stuff like that. And um, so that was that was. Um, that was sort of my impression, like starting into the hike, like he, it didn't seem like he had prepared quite as much, uh, for, for what was about to come. But, um, I knew like physically he was in good shape and everything. So I, and he's got a good head on his shoulders. So I didn't see like any, any issue with, um, you know, with what he was doing. So, um, it was just something more I noticed because I, I tend to, you know, over plan stuff sometimes. You know, I thought maybe I'm over planning a little bit and, you know, didn't really think about too much about his under planning until, you know, things sort of fell apart for him. Um, you know, later on when I found out that he went missing, I was like, oh, she, you know, she did. started thinking back to all that kind of stuff and thought, well, maybe he wasn't as prepared as, you know, and maybe that was more of a big deal than I was thinking in the beginning. As Sally mentioned before, she didn't really understand why Chris wanted to hike the PCT. But after talking with them, she realized this was something he really wanted to do. He was prepping and training and getting ready to take on this big adventure. Chris and Colin arranged to start the trail in May. It just so happened that the day they set off to embark on more than a 2,500-mile journey was Mother's Day. I wasn't crazy about it, but after I talked to him, the very first time I talked to him about it, he uh, he had such a plan. He told he was so excited about it. It's the first time I'd heard him be really excited about anything in a long time. You know, he'd gone through a divorce, which is never easy, and and so it was. Um, I could just tell that he had it all figured out. And the only thing I, you know, he was a grown man. The only thing I could do was support him. So I did. Happy for him. Was it? didn't understand it, but uh, again, because it's just not something, you know, it's just the little foreign people in Ohio. And, uh, you know, I've never heard of it. But so I started researching and I started doing my own research and and I could see him doing something like this. And so um, on May 8th, Mother's Day, he he sent me a picture uh, from the Pacific Crest Trail. It was his very first day on the trail. He said, Happy Mother's Day from PCT. I love you. Here we go. 
on the next episode of the Missing and Unexplained podcast. How did you get the trail name? Um, so I got the trail name Sherpa when I was coming through the town of Idlewild. And there was a couple of other hikers just come straggling through in the town and looking kind of weary. So started talking to them and and uh, was telling them where the restaurants were and where the um, grocery store was. And I saw them again later in town. They said, there's our Sherpa. So it just kind of stuck. If you know anything about Chris's disappearance, please contact the Yakima County Sheriff's Office at 509-574-2500 or message Chris's stepmother, Sally Guyton Fowler, on Facebook. For those of you who have subscribed to the Patreon, thank you. If you haven't, please consider checking it out and supporting the podcast. I'm also donating 25% of all Patreon funds to the Fowler O'Sullivan Foundation until August 1st. As always, thanks for listening to the Missing and Unexplained podcast with me, Tyler Hooper. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.